Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. We're going to jump into some Kevin Durant talk. Shams breaking some news this morning that there's a surprise team coming out. I don't think anybody would have thought this was a potential destination, but one of the best NBA insiders in the business, Shams, saying that they do have a package, possibly, that could entice the Nets to part ways with Kevin Durant, of course, one of the best of all time. Also still some Sixers talk regarding KD. Don't know how far that'll get, but we'll touch on that. And of course, going to jump into some personal Sixer stuff with my friend and co-host for this one, Mr. Paul Hudrick. Paul, first off, it is now the third week of August, basically. We're still a month away from training camp. How much are you looking forward to us actually talking about on-court basketball, given the fact that the Sixers made so many big moves this offseason? Well, I am. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to talking about real basketball and having an opportunity to talk to the players again and, and, and all that fun stuff. But I got to say, Jazz, compared to where we were a year ago, which was every day was Ben Simmons something. Um, it, it was great for the con- great for content, great for the site. I was very happy with all of that. I'm not going to complain about all that, but at the same time, it was really draining. And so it's almost nice to have this little bit of a uh, a little bit of a break here while we still stay afloat with this KD stuff. Very appreciative of KD and Donovan Mitchell and Danny Ainge and, and every everybody for keeping some drama so that we still have some stuff to talk about. But I think compared to where we were a year ago, uh, I'm happier now than I than I was then. <laughs> oh, for sure. The, the Benson. OK, here's the, the weird part for me, Paul, because we both started basically at the same time with our roles with Liberty Ballers. And obviously we were in the middle of like, or the beginning really of the whole Ben Simmons saga after losing to the Hawks in in June of last year. And we were coming up, but then it just consumed us and it consumed everybody. And it it didn't get to the point that it was, I mean, I still love talking about it because it's NBA general. You know what I mean? We're getting to discuss basketball for a living. So we always feel lucky and fortunate to do that. But at the same time, it just came like, look, man, just tell us when something is going to happen because we <laughs> all the non update updates every yeah, single and, day. Yes. And, and the hard part for us though, Paul was because again, we were starting out in these new roles. So we basically had to be on standby. Like, yeah, it's summertime. Yeah. It would have been nice to spend some time with the family, but as soon as you see something pop up, you're like, boom, we got to react to it. Cause this is a team that we cover. And now, whereas with Durant, we're not getting like these daily tidbits or twice a week. Tidbit. <laughs> it's like once a week, which gives us some good stuff to talk about. And it's not totally involving the Sixers. So we don't have to be sitting there like refreshing our phone for Twitter updates from Shams and Woj every four minutes. You know what I mean? Yes. No, 100%. I also don't have a pregnant wife this time or a pregnant girlfriend this time around. So that is also helpful. Uh, <laughs> but yes, in, in, in general, it's just <laughs> a lot calmer. It's nice. It, it's been nice. I mean, you know. Yeah. Overall, yeah. it's it's been much better than last year. Like you said, we lease with the KD stuff. Uh, it's still fun. It's still interesting, but but it's not as aggressive uh, as the Ben Simmons stuff was. 
Yeah, and thank you for that, Kevin Durant. Thank you for being a diva. <laughs> thank you for holding this. Uh, Joe Sai, uh, everybody involved with the Brooklyn Nets. This is a shout out from the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, which, uh, as I haven't mentioned, you should subscribe to as well. We appreciate a five star review. But thank you, Joe Sai and Kevin Durant, for carrying this soap opera on at least through now. It looks like at least through August. And I personally think, Paul, before we jump into what Shams wrote this morning, when do you think this is going to get settled? Because, like, I think this is a this is going through yeah. training camp at least for sure. Yeah, I don't think it gets. I think they're, and I think this is the right move. If I'm the Nets, I'm in the same boat. I'm making him hold out, or I'm making him show up to camp and be a total pain in the ass. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll let him do it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm willing to wait that out in order to try to keep him because it's worth it. And like I posted something today. It's the way I framed it is I feel like these trade offers are unserious. Like what are we doing with some of these? Like the Hawks with like John Collins and DeAndre Hunter and picks. Yeah, what is on. that for Kevin Durant? Yeah. Um, and then like, and then I'm getting uh, uh, something I never anticipated happening. Jazz, I'm getting called the Kevin Durant stand on on Twitter. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are we? T- the guy's one of the greatest basketball players to ever walk the earth. It has nothing to do with how I feel about him in any way. Um, and I think everyone just has such short memories. Like Twitter is is ruining us. Like it's ruining our brains, our abilities to remember things. Um. Yes, he had a bad, he was bad, like flat out. I, anyone would tell you that he was bad in the playoffs last year against the Celtics. It was really bad. The Nets looked really bad. Boston looked really good. Give them a lot of credit. They were historically very good defensively. But did we all forget that it was only a, a one year ago in the playoffs where Kevin Durant looked like the greatest player on planet Earth when yeah. he's dropping 50 in game sevens, where if he was a shoe size smaller, he beats the Bucks without Kyrie and a compromised James Harden. Like, what are we doing here? I look back, Jess. He averaged 34.3 points during that playoff run with like a 66% true shooting and almost 50, 40, 90 splits. That was in uh, in June of 2021. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, we're not like, talking about something from four years ago. And I think that's the, right. uh, I'm with you. And I think that's like where people are like, oh, you, you know, Kevin Durant, this It's like, well, I'm not standing him. I'm just giving him credit for being one of the greatest to ever do it, which he is at this point. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and he's still, he has the ability to take games over. And like, everyone's like, oh, well, yeah, you're just saying gut. No, I never said gut your team to get Kevin Durant. I never, I know Twitter is like the worst thing in the world. And we, and we have no room for, it's a cesspool. Yeah. <laughs> we have no room for nuance on there. And I get that. My only, my, what I was saying today is like, if you're the Grizzlies, and you have a chance to get Kevin Durant. You're going to let that get held up because they want Jaron Jackson Jr. or Desmond Bain. Respectfully, two young uh, players who I like a lot. Who I think have a chance to be very, very good. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has a chance to be an all-star defensive player of the year type of player. I think Desmond Bain is kind of borderline. I don't know if he'll ever quite be an all-star, but he'll be pretty damn good, I think. Respectfully, how are they untouchable to get Kevin Durant? Yeah. That is in. Same. And I see some people saying like, oh, well, it's only August. You don't make trades for a guy like Kevin Durant. As the Sixers saw, you can't. It doesn't historically. When you look at teams that make big moves at the deadline for like star players, it doesn't translate to championships. That's not something that happens. When does it happen? When you make a trade in the offseason and then you get the guy for the whole year so he can integrate within the team and build chemistry with those around him. That's where the trade deadline is meant to get like supplemental players, right? That's meant to get players that can fill in the margins and help your team. It's not for these big, big, big names um, that typically doesn't work out. So 
the urgent, if I'm another team, the urgency is now. Don't let Kevin Durant get to camp. If you let him get to camp, there's a better chance he's going to stay. Kyrie Irving, it seems pretty clear the Nets are, are, are going to bring him back. So if you have Kyrie Irving there, Kevin Durant shows at the camp, him and Kyrie start talking, stuff, stuff starts going well in camp, they're meshing well. This could be a dangerous basketball team. Um, so, like, to me, the, the sense of urgency is now. Like, these teams, if I'm these teams, I'm trying to make a deal that the Nets say, no, this is too good. Uh, this is too good for us to pass up. We, we can't go to camp with Kevin Durant and risk losing him because this offer from Memphis or this offer from, um, I, I don't know, the, the Phoenix Suns, whatever, this offer is too good to, to, to let them go to, um, go to camp with Kevin Durant. No, I, I'm with you. I think that's the... This is the weird part about this whole Durant thing. And then unlike you're saying, you know, why would you want to let him get to camp? Because everything can change at the drop of a hat, right? Once the game starts, once camp starts, somebody gets hurt. Uh, it just changes the t total dynamics, right? Uh, let's say a team like the Denver Nuggets were expecting to be good. I'm not saying it's going to happen. This is hypothetical. Let's say they start out, come out of the gate six and 14. And they're like, well, you know what? We're willing to part with Jamal Murray and four first round picks. They're going to become a factor in all that. You know what I mean? Like there's so many little layers to this and I'm with you, like jump at it when you can right away and try and make a move for him. And like you mentioned, what we saw last, last year with, or this, you know, six months ago with the Ben Simmons, Harden trade was that doesn't happen often, right? Unless you have this no. long-term holdout, which again, we rarely see in the NBA in terms of an all-star level guy holding out. We don't see really hold holdouts that much at all in the league. But like you mentioned, this that was a one-off, right? Teams are looking to maybe add a veteran piece, uh, willing to give up a first future first round pick for a depth guy who will be their sixth man or something, you know, giving them some scoring or some defense off the bench you don't see the big names move you see big name older players move if they're bought out and they have too much left on their deal and the teams are like screw it go sign with who you want and ring chase but we're just going to wipe the salary off the book so I i'm with you i think that this has been a really interesting nba offseason just like last year was for us from a sixers perspective but obviously i think there's just a lot more league-wide interest in what's going on because you have durant and donovan mitchell two obvious all-star level, arguably Donovan Mitchell at, at a couple of points in his career seasons has been MVP level, the, considering how good Utah was. But yeah, rarely do, do we see this. I wanted to jump in what Shams wrote this morning for The Athletic as well, recording this on a Monday. Uh, basically saying the Celtics, the Raptors, the Heat, still among the serious threats to land Kevin Durant. And we'll jump into some of what the packages that Shams is reporting that those teams are offering a little bit later. But looking at this right now, and this is, I'm paraphrasing here, basically saying a new team has shown interest in KD, which is the Memphis Grizzlies. We've seen John ja Morant tweet things like easy money, yada, yada, yada. Obviously, in a nod to Kevin Durant with his uh, easy money sniper little moniker that he calls himself or that he goes by there. But you look at this, the Grizzlies won 56 games last season, played the champion, eventual champion wars, very tough in the second round, obviously without John Morant, end up losing that series in six. But basically this is what Sham sources are telling him, Paul, that Memphis five first round draft picks available. Don't know how good those are going to be for those can be unprotected. Uh, but again, don't know how good those will be considering the nucleus they have there and assuming that team stick together. But he's saying that the Grizzlies have been a little bit hesitant to give up Jaron Jackson Jr. Again, an all defense type talent. Desmond Bain doubled his scoring output from year one to year two, averaged just under 19 points a game last season. He's still on the rise as well. But when you saw the Grizzlies pop up as a potential destination for KD, what was your immediate thought? Because to me that I'm like, Ooh, man, that is juicy. If he's going to go to a team out West, it may as well be Memphis because that'll give us Grizzlies Warriors at some <laughs> point in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I love the idea if you're the Grizzlies. Um, 
you pair Kevin Durant and John Morant together. And that's, and they also have this glut of like tall, long, good defensive minded players. It's like they would be a title favorite. They'd have to be Um, going up against the Warriors. Yeah. They would only add, Oh my God, the drama would be so much fun with what's already there. Then you add KD and him trying to beat the Warriors. It would be very interesting. It would be very interesting to see KD in a, in a city like Memphis and to see how kind of he would, you know, integrate into that. I mean, I know we did it once with Oklahoma City in a similar kind of fashion, but this is a little different now. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be interesting in and of itself. I, as I already mentioned, if you're the Grizzlies, why both Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain are both untouchable is beyond me. To me, the only player that's untouchable in a KD trade. If you're Memphis is John Morant, because that's the guy you want to pair him with. But yeah, just you pair those two together. You have a shot. You have a shot for a title this year, possibly next year. Basically, as long as Kevin Durant wants to play, you have a shot at a title. Um, I, I just don't, uh, to me, I, I don't get why people like, I, I get the idea. You don't want to set your franchise back by trading for KD and then, you know, whatever, in a couple of years, he can leave yada, yada, but like go for a championship, right? Like you're going for a championship now and you have John Morant. So if KD does wind up leaving, you still have John Morant. You still have one of, you have a perennial MVP candidate, in my opinion, and John Morant. And if you add KD to him, when it gets to the playoffs, what what are the opponents going to do? Like, how do you stop both of those guys for four quarters uh, over seven over the course of a seven game series? So I would be pushing all of my chips to the table. I think what you brought up with the four picks they could offer, technically five, because I think that it's the Warriors pick. Warriors one, yeah, yeah. Like none of those picks are going to be that attractive because Memphis isn't going anywhere. They're going to be good for a while, uh, and Golden State is Golden State. So you know, none of those picks are going to be especially valuable to me if I'm the Brooklyn Nets. But what would be valuable to me is getting a guy like a Jaron Jackson Jr. to play with, you know, I don't know Ben Simmons or um, a Desmond Bain to, to, to pair with those guys. I think that um, is much more enticing. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Memphis has the pieces to offer a really competitive package. And I think the Nets would be wise to listen to that. And I think there could be something there, but if the if the Memphis Grizzlies are not going to part with either one of those players, then I think the Nets are that, that's an easy phone call to hang up on if I'm the Nets. Yeah, that and that's the the hard part for me to wrap my head around here, Paul. Like looking at, uh, I don't know what the hell the Nets are trying to do here. Like realistically, I don't know how serious it is that KD would miss. I, I'm just saying if it gets there, like a full season. Do you know what I mean? I don't know, but I think he's willing to call their bluff and say, man. Did do what, what Simmons did last year, like you mentioned, just be a total toxic, uh, you know, bringing toxic energy to the team, not giving the people, um, not giving full effort, not having the right attitude. But again, he has a close friend there in, in Kyrie Irving, who knows. But again, you're looking at what could happen there. Like, can you imagine Jaron Jackson Jr. is also, you know, averages better than 15 points a year, uh, basically throughout his entire career, except for his rookie year, who's at 13.8. Um, and pardon me, the 2021 season as well. He averaged just under that uh, 15 point threshold. But again, talking about what he brings defensively, you have him, Ben Simmons on the court together, two all world defenders. You got Kyrie Irving. There's still a lot of like a lot of talent that the Sixers or the Nets would have by making a deal like that. And obviously, Brooklyn being able to get some more first round picks, they recoup some of what they gave up for Harden from the Sixers in, the, in that deal in February um, of this year. But looking at, at at it now, like you mentioned, trying to okay, KD 
not only immediately brings your title chances up, but he also brings your future future title chances down if you have to give up, let's just say, both those guys. Uh, we've heard this complaint, or not a complaint, but people bring this up with Tyrese Maxey, is he's such a young player, showing that he's ascending, still going to be a multiple-time all-star, at least in my opinion, at some point in his career. But then again, do you give him up, and then you maybe have two years to win it with Durant. When you look at that from your perspective, Paul, Desmond Bain's only 24 years old. Jaron Jackson Jr., still only 22, going to turn 23 next month. You look at, 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 like, is there anything that would give you pause to be like, hey, let's hang on to these guys because we could build a potential championship contender multiple times over the next five, six years, assuming we keep these guys? Or is it like, look, man, we can get KD. Let's push our chips in for one or two years, maybe three, depending on when he's at his best, and let's just freaking go for it. Yeah, so... First of all, I wouldn't give up both guys for the record. I would not give up Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah. but one of them, sure. Uh, I think it would be wise to push your chips to the middle of the table because the the no matter how long you think your championship window is, it's not that long. Like, right? Like, unless you're the Warriors, and even their window closed for like two years and then opened back up. So, to me, if you have a shot to win a title, you take it. Um, mm. And it's not... The thing is, too, it, it's not gutting. Like, that's a, again, people kept saying, oh, well, you're gutting the roster. You're not gutting the roster. You're trading one of your young, very talented players. Granted, young, very talented. But you still have other good players on your roster that, that can really help you win games. So I, I don't think it's it, like, I, I mean, just look up and down the roster. I mean, you got Dylan Brooks, who's still a good basketball player. You have uh, Brandon Clark, a former first round pick. Um, Zaire Williams is really intriguing. He's a guy that um, looked really good at times last year. Um, you know, their draft class this year is pretty good. You know, they got Kennedy Chandler, Jake LaRavia. Um, you know, you still have a, a good nucleus where, again, if Kevin Durant walks, you still have good players to surround John Morant by. And by the way, too, you'd have money, right? Like you'd, still, you'd have money yeah. to spend, too, if that happens. So it's not like you're leaving your, your franchise. You, like you're not killing your franchise by making this move. And then if you don't win a championship, whatever, in the two years that Durant's there, you're, you're not dead. Like your, your franchise isn't, it doesn't have to start from scratch. You still have John Morant. You still have a perennial MVP guy. So you'll be fine. I mean, I, I'll say that like to answer your question, do I get why someone might have pause? Sure. Um, I think the Sixers, in a way, I could see why they might have more pause than, than a team like the Grizzlies because they don't have those good young pieces, right? Like outside of Maxi, they don't have that. Um, but that you could also make the argument that that's more reason they should be all in on a trade like that because you have James Harden, who's 32 years old. You have Joel Embiid, who's you know going to be 29. So those guys are a little bit older. So maybe you do make that uh, all-in move um, to, to kind of capitalize on their primes um, or even a little bit their post-primes, I guess you would say, in Harden. But uh, at the same time, you, you could make the argument you should hold on to Maxi because, you know, when those again, when those guys leave, you still have Maxi to build around. So I think for the Grizzlies, I, to me, you're, you're like I said, your championship window is never as big as you think it is. Take the shot. No matter what, you have John Morant. Um, get John Morant and Kevin Durant. Figure the rest out. That would be my opinion for the Grizzlies. Yeah, and if they do, like you mentioned, it doesn't really matter who you put around those guys. If you have about four, just four or five legit NBA talent guys 
and a couple of veterans, that team's going to be making some serious noise, even though and the they West have is guys that, as well. Like these guys that fit, like I said, like Zyre Williams and Brandon Clark, these like these like six, eight freaks who are just long and, you know, play great defense and are super switchable, can guard multiple positions. Like these guys are modern NBA type of players and they fit perfectly next to the next to Morant and, and KD who are providing, you know, tremendous offensive basketball and KD when he chooses to is a very good defender as well. That kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes when we're talking about Kevin Durant, but we've seen it in the playoffs when he really needs to step up defensively. He could do it. He's got another gear to him. Oh, for sure. And, and uh, you could see that from him too. He's a very good two-way player again, known for being a freak scorer and is going to go down as one of the best of all time when it comes to just simply putting the ball in the bucket. But Paul, I wanted to ask you this as well, sticking with the Durant thing, looking at what Sean said in terms of, like I mentioned, those teams that are, that are, have been strongly tied to KD pretty much well since it came out that he wanted out of Brooklyn, the Celtics, the Raptors, and he three rivals at this point for, for the Sixers are uh, obviously the Raptors have grown into that more after that lull, considering that, you know, the Vince Carter, Allen Iverson, Sarah, and then you had both teams are pretty, crappy there for for a while um you know especially after the raptors had bosh but looking at looking back at look like looking at back at what shams had wrote now um celtics and again this to me is the best offer you got jalen brown he's an all-star guy uh Derek white a, a key reserve a first round pick that's what shams is reporting was the offer that boston put forward for kd in july um the nets holding out wanting to get a piece like Marcus Smart included in that for obvious reasons. He's a great defensive player um, and obviously can, can still score as well and, and gives you that dynamic uh, maybe in terms of shooting for a defensive guy that Ben Simmons wouldn't. But then you look at potentially Miami would not willing to give up Bam Adebayo. Toronto refusing to include Scotty Barnes in a package right now. And I know this being Canadian, tough because if you got a guy at the level of Scotty Barnes and a, a rookie of the year type player who can be around for five or six years, you want him to stay that long because you don't know if he's going to want to bolt, right? So I, I can understand Masai Ujiri's hesitation with including uh, Barnes in any any sort of deal. And then, of course, Phoenix, I think now, obviously, the DeAndre Ayton thing, unless they could they could somehow swing Ben Simmons, which they're not going to be able to do now because of that contract being on well, Bam as well. January. Yeah, same as Bam, Bam as well. I mean, but with Ayton, they can't move him until January. And then Phoenix, you know, Mikel Bridges, who's, again, all-world defender and some first-round picks, probably not going to cut it for for Brooklyn unless somehow they just give up to Kevin Durant and say hey you know what we'll just take you where you want to go but when you look at these packages I'm assuming you're going to agree with me that the Celtics is offer the best one but if you look at a, a potential Philly thing and again I'm with you I don't think this is going to have much traction going forward unless obviously KD just completely strong arms the organization and says hey get me to Philly uh it's going to have to include Tyrese Maxey likely going to have to include Tobias Harris to make the money match, Matisse Thibel, George Niang, Isaiah Joe, you can give up, you know, whatever one of those guys that you would have to. And then, of course, can't give up a first-round pick for another seven years. But when you look at, A, what do you think is the best package out of that? Again, wouldn't be surprised to hear you say Boston. And B, what do you think, where do you think the Sixers offer would sit in among, amongst those teams in, in potential trade packages? Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, as far as what we've heard, it was actually potentially being offered yeah, the Boston package seems the best because you're getting a Jalen Brown who is an all-star player already um, and an all-star at the wing, which is a, a rare thing. It's it's very difficult thing to acquire is all-star level talent on the wings. Uh, the fact that he can bolt in two years is a little bit scary, but that still to me is the best. Yeah, Derek White, solid role player, you know, can kind of fit anywhere and in picks beyond that. So yeah, that that would be, that's that's if 
like you mentioned, that's if Toronto doesn't want to part with Scotty Barnes. That's if, um, you know, if Miami can't find a way to include Bam out of Iowa, because if I'm the, if I'm the Nets, I have no interest in any offer from the heat that doesn't include Bam out of bio. Um, respectfully to Tyler hero. That's not enough at all. Um, I need a lot more than that. So yeah, if, if you're asking where the Sixers fit, certainly the Boston deal would be better. Um, and I'd say Toronto with what they have with either OG on an OB with Scotty Barnes, whatever they could offer. I'd put that ahead of what the Sixers could offer. Um, Beyond that, though, I mean, Maxie's—it's such Maxie's such an attractive young player to get your hands on for so many reasons. One, he's to me, he's a future All Star. Like it's going to happen. That that's a big part of it. He's only twenty one years old. There's a strong chance, especially if you're the Nets, that you're going to be able to resign him. Because I'm sure Rich Paul would love nothing more than for Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxie to be together on Brooklyn. Um, for Maxie to sign the max there, I'm sure that would delight rich paul to no end <laughs> so you're you're if you're trading for maxi you're, you're likely going to be able to keep him for a long time so that makes him more attractive than in a sense than jalen brown because you can keep him for longer uh i i like maxi much more than i like tyler hero i don't know if anyone tries to tell you otherwise i think they're crazy i i think i'm with you on that uh, and i think because i think not only do i think maxi is just uh, like uh, offensively i think maxi still got much more to offer in the tank but I also think defensively, Tyler Hero, I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to be a good defender. Whereas I think Maxi shows flashes of, mm -hmm. of, of being a good defender. He's he's got the wingspan, he's got the athletic ability, he's got the length. Like he, he can be a good defender and he's got the attitude to do it too, right? So I think Maxi is going to be a much better two-way player than Tyler Hero. So that's why I, I would 100 percent be more interested in that. Um, I would say the Memphis deal will be better than two, though. You know, I, if I can get a Jaron Jackson Jr. and a bunch of picks, the picks is is kind of what kills the Sixers, right? Because like, yeah, you need if you're the Nets, you need the player, like you need a marquee player, you need that headliner guy, whether it's a Maxi, whether it's a Jalen Brown, but you're gonna need picks too, and the Sixers just don't have them. So I think that is the separator. Plus, if you're the Nets, you got to take back Tobias Harris, and so that means you have to take back Tobias Harris and nearly forty million dollars this year. And next year, do you really want to do that when there's other offers out there like the Boston offer, like Toronto offers, where you don't have to do that, where you don't have to eat a bad contract to get a good player? So uh, with all those factors, I think that's the reason why the Sixers like and I think Dave Early has said this before. I think he's written it. I know he said it to me before, and I, I tend to agree. The Sixers best offer is Tyrese Maxey. So once they offer that, there's no escalation, right? Like that's it. Like there's no, you offer Maxi, you offer tires because you have to. And then you offer what? Like Thibel and picks. Mm -hmm. You have to make your best offer right off the bat. Cause otherwise you can't even get them on the phone to talk about Kevin Durant. So that's where the Sixers are at a disadvantage too. Cause if you're Boston, it's there's negotiation there. There's, Oh, well we want Marcus smart. Okay. Well you can't have Marcus smart. Oh, we want Robert Williams. Ah, well you can't have Robert Williams. You know what I mean? There's, there's yeah. other players, other things to discuss. Whereas the Sixers, the conversation is, is very, very short with what they can actually offer. And then that, that again, that's why I would put them, you know, fifth on that list, you know, and odds makers are, are, are in agreement with me too. I mean, the Sixers not amongst the top teams to acquire Kevin Durant for next season, like for his next destination, but also like you mentioned, unless the Sixers somehow can get some more first round picks, which looking at that roster, they can't unless they're giving up Joel Embiid or James Harden, which they're not going to do. And the Harris conundrum where maybe if it was a one, one more year left on that deal, Paul, it makes it more palatable sure. for yeah. Brooklyn to swallow. But again, at two years going to be very difficult to beat a package centered around Jalen Brown 
uh, Derek White, potentially Marcus Smart, and some picks. I, again, I just don't think that's beatable unless, again, you mentioned, I don't think the Grizzlies are going to give up both Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., but that would rival Boston's package. Uh, let's take a short break here, Paul. Just wanted to quickly jump into some talk about Donovan Mitchell. Touch a little bit on some photos we've seen of James Harden as well from the offseason. We'll do that after a short break. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, Paul, we're back. We did a little bit of a deep dive there on the KD stuff that Shams wrote about. Second fiddle in terms of who's available this offseason, although he would be number one most offseasons, is Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. Obviously, we saw Danny Ainge go in there, get rid of Rudy Gobert to a drunken Minnesota Timberwolves squad that somehow <laughs> thinks that giving up that many picks and having... I'm just interested to see how... I know Cat mainly plays outside, but seeing how that Cat rudy Gobert thing is going to work out. But uh, what Shams was saying about Donovan Mitchell, that the Knicks in Utah still engage in some talk around a potential Donovan Mitchell deal to the Big Apple. Uh, nothing considered imminent at this point. Again, I'm paraphrasing from Shams. Uh, but again, from what Shams said, New York made an offer of Evan Fournier, Obi Toppin, some additional salary fillers, two unprotected first-round picks, five total first-rounders. Do you think that deal gets done? And do you think that Donovan Mitchell will be in a Knicks uniform not only for the Christmas Day game, which the Sixers are back on, right, Paul? We discussed that earlier, but uh, for opening night in October. I'll say that I think it's much more likely that Donovan Mitchell is a Nick than it is that Kevin Durant is not a Nick. Uh, hmm. I think that's pretty fair to say at this point. Um, just because I think it lines up. Like, Donovan Mitchell, uh, like, of course he wants to be a Nick. That's He's from New York. Like, he's a huge Mets fan, unfortunately. Um, and so, like, it, it lines up very well for the for the for the for the franchises and because the Knicks do have that bevy of picks to offer now that I think that's there, there's a, a an important distinction there as well and it's kind of what you already talked about when you're looking at the Nets the Nets want to stay competitive like they want to be competitive now they don't want to they don't you know the picks aren't as attractive to them because even if they trade Durant they're hoping to get like a Jalen Brown that they can pair with a Ben Simmons and maybe even a Kyrie Irving if he stays and, and maybe they can you know make a push because that would listen a trio of Kyrie Irving Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown, that's a playoff team in the East, like and not a bad oh, yeah. one. That's a pretty yeah. good playoff team in the East. So that's still a competitive team. When you're talking about the Jazz, they already made this trade for you know giving up Rudy Gobert and taking back a bunch of picks. Uh, clearly, that's where that franchise is headed. They are they are in a rebuilding mode. So the Knicks being able to offer a ton of picks is actually very attractive. And also, too, quite frankly. With all due respect to the Knicks and with all due respect to, to Jalen Brunson and, and Donovan Mitchell and what they could possibly be there, it's never a bad bet to bet that the Knicks 
are going to stink at some point and taking their <laughs> draft picks. That's never a bad bet with the New York Knicks. Now they can prove me wrong. Maybe they, you know, with Mitchell and Brunson, they turn things around. The franchise gets turned around a little bit, but uh, if I'm Danny age, I'm licking my chops at the idea of, of a bunch of Knicks draft picks for the future. So, um, and if they if they manage to hold on to RJ Barrett, which the scenario you laid out, they would, um, that's a pretty good young trio, right? When, when you're talking about Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, RJ Barrett, that's, that's interesting. That's intriguing. That's also, I would think a playoff team in the East, how good, I don't know, but a, a pretty good one, a pretty good playoff team in the East. So I, I think it's more likely that gets done. Cause I think there's more motivation um, from the Knicks to get Mitchell and there's a more real, you can see it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can see the trade happening. Like you could see the pieces and like, it all makes sense. Whereas with Durant, I don't know that we see that quite yet with any of the teams that are rumored for him. So um, I don't think it's inevitable that, that Donovan Mitchell is a Nick before training camp, but I, I it seems very possible. And like I said, I think both sides, the pieces um, certainly fit. Here's the thing, Paul. At this point, with like you mentioned, the KD stuff, we've just heard so many teams. Boston has has been up there the last month or so where the reports started surfacing. They're willing to give up a guy like Jalen Brown, but we've heard Toronto be involved. We've heard Miami be, be involved. Obviously, the Sixers a little bit on the outside in terms of those teams. But at this point, I'd just be surprised if Donovan Mitchell doesn't end up with the Knicks. You know what I mean? Just given all the smoke that we've had around it. And like you said, it seems like that is going to happen. And it's kind of an interesting way for Danny Ainge to do this, right? Going from a market like Boston, going to Utah where, okay, don't have a ton of attractiveness in terms of big name players wanting to go to Utah. Haven't really seen anybody uh, be there. You had Kevin, or pardon me, John Stockton and and Carl Malone there obviously throughout the 90s. Then they had a bit of a run there with Deron Williams and Carlos Boozer. And then they found their way back to, to the Mitchell Gobert thing, which obviously has not been able to have any playoff success with that roster. So I like what Danny Ainge is doing in terms of, yo, we can get 10 first round picks, maybe swing that, you know, get a guy under contract who's a big name draft well with those picks and and you'll have a, a base at least set up to be a somewhat contending team because that's pretty much all they can do in that small market right like a team like utah where you're not going to be able to get these big name guys nobody's going to really voluntarily want to come and play there so try and accumulate as many assets as you can hit a home run or two in the draft and then hopefully use some of those assets to acquire big name players who does that sound like uh, paul whose who's game plan does that sound like compared to what maybe 10 to 10 years ago uh, Sam Hinkie's. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, listen, it's funny now because now it's everything's perfectly acceptable. Everything that Sam Hinkie did that the league hated and that um, they that, you know, they strong armed him out now, like half the league doesn't. So it's like it's including Danny Ainge, like right. And Sam Presti, they're like two of the most respected GMs in the entire executives in the entire sport. Yet they're doing exactly what Hinkie did. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's what they're doing. This is smart. But when Sam Hickey did it, it was a, it was a sham and it was a disgrace to basketball. That's a whole other story, though, Jess. Yeah, we can talk about that. We'll have a four-hour podcast on that next week, right, Paul? If we <laughs> want to. Um, but let, you know what? Let's wrap up on this. We were talking a little bit about obviously teams around the league, the Sixers. We got into a little bit of Kevin Durant talk again. Not don't know how far that discussion is going to go. But James Harden, looking lean, looking mean. Looking like I'm just using random wrestling wrestling quotes now, like a supreme fighting machine so far this offseason fall. Uh, we saw him lifting weights. He does look a lot better in terms of uh, size. And I'm not saying he was out of shape last year, but in terms of looking smaller, looking a little bit more fit, doesn't look as bulky as he did last year. Are you encouraged at all by what we've seen from Harden in terms of, because obviously we had people questioning 
his work ethic, questioning his commitment to try and win, considering what happened in Houston, and then kind of, you know, forced his way out of there, obviously, uh, wasn't exactly a great teammate at that time, went to Brooklyn, that only lasted, you know, roughly a year, then he was gone from there as well. But are you encouraged by what we've seen from Harden in terms of the being in shape, the giving up the money to try and get more pieces around him to win a championship? Where are you at with your confidence level and James going into next year? Yeah, I think you have to be encouraged by everything you've seen. It looks like James has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. It looks like he's very motivated. You talk about the pay cut, um, the pay cut that helps the Sixers, but then also has the potential to help him if he comes out and has a monster year this year. He's going to be able to decline that player option for next season and, and turn it into a nice, big, fat uh, max contract, probably, um, whether with whether that's with the Sixers or somewhere else. Um, he's going to be he's going to be able to cash in if he has a big year um, and he has a chance to win. So I think he's got some big motivating factors that, you know, you saw in that, that interview he did with Hout where he talked about changing his diet and, you yeah. know, he realizes he can't do the things he used to do. He can't eat the way he wanted to eat in the off season. I think he's, it's a, it was, a, it seems to me, and I don't know this for like, I don't know James Harden like that. I don't know, but it seems like he did some soul searching. It seems like he looked in the mirror and said like, all right, like, what can I do uh, that, you know, what can I change so that this, what happened last year doesn't happen again. And I think ultimately, too, Jazz, we have this weird and it's it goes back to this Durant thing, too. We have this tendency to want to just bury guys like before their time is, is here. Right. Like we just want to call a guy washed at the first sign of struggle. It's like, oh, he's washed. Um, and the biggest example I can think of is Chris Paul a few years back on um, his yeah. last year in Houston. He gets the hand, he has, suffers the hamstring in, in injury. And, you know, ultimately, the Rockets lose to the Warriors in seven games. That series could have looked a lot different with a healthy Chris Paul. The hamstring lingers into the next season. Chris Paul doesn't look very good. Everyone says he's done. Does that sound pretty familiar to you, Jazz? Like mm -hmm. that that's yeah. like pretty much where we are with James Harden. And look at Chris Paul and what he's done since. All he's done since is make three straight all-star teams and take a team to the finals. So we have this weird tendency again to just bury guys. James Harden. Two years ago, if you uh, go back and look at his first playoff series with the Nets when they played the Celtics, he was unreal. He was the best player on the court. This isn't like 2017 I'm talking about when he won the MVP. This is a year ago. This is a year ago that he looked like the best player on the court um, when Jason Tatum was on the court, when Kevin Durant was on the court. He looked like the best player. Um, so... I don't think he suddenly forgot how to play basketball. I think what happened was for the first time in his career, he suffered a serious injury. He's never dealt with it. He's an, he's been an iron man. He played more. I, I actually looked it up because for something I'm working on during his time in Houston, he played the third most games of any player in the entire NBA. The only guys that played more were Dane Lillard and PJ Tucker. Actually, oh, um, that's it. Yeah. Those are the only guys that played in more games over that span. The guy doesn't miss time. And I think that was to his detriment. And I think even last year, um, down the stretch of the Sixers, I know, again, just to talk about Dave Early again, like he has brought this up many times. You need to protect him from himself because he wants to play 40 minutes a night. He wants to play every single game. You need to dial him back. Um, and I think part of this offseason, I'm hoping for his sake, is him realizing that. Him realizing, okay, like I can't play 82 games. I can't play, you know, 36 minutes a night. It's got to be more like, 65 games and around 32 minutes a night just because mm -hmm. it, it's just i think when he suffered that hamstring industry injury he didn't know how to handle it he didn't know how to handle the rehab and 
it's not an easy thing for a guy to go through physically and mentally for that matter, to not be able to do the things that you've come so accustomed to doing, you can't do them anymore. So I think that hamstring now being healthier, him losing weight is going to help, right? Him being more toned is only going to help that hamstring, um, you know, and, and, and keep those soft tissue muscle, uh, soft tissue injuries from perhaps happening. Um, and you see, he's been able to play pickup all summer, which he didn't get to do last summer. So all of the, and I'll say all of this with this caveat, of course, we need to see it. it, it we, the game's got to get played. We need to see how he looks. But I think if you're a Sixers fan, if you're the Sixers, the organization, you have to be nothing but encouraged by what you've seen from James Harden this offseason. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, we don't want to fall victim to the Ben Simmons special, which is, hey, look how good he looks in the offseason. But again, Harden's well, hey. proven, no, I mean, Harden's proven himself to, <laughs> to a whole new level. You guys want an MVP, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to compare the two. But I, again, I'm I'm very impressed with James Harden's commitment, James Harden trying to do what he can, what's best for the team, because it seems like, yeah, at this point in his career, in order to cement himself really ready is one of the top 75. And as you mentioned, he's been one of what the top five players over the last decade, Paul, you know, roughly um, sure, give or yeah. take. And he's, he's definitely right up there, but I think to cement his legacy as one of the greats of this era and, and really one of the best, again, if you look at you're already one of the top 75 of all time, uh, he does need a championship to kind of validate that. But the one thing you did mention, Paul, was the diet and realizing that he needs to change things up and can't maybe do things the way he did when he was younger. That's something me and you have never realized and we will not at any point soon. So just <laughs> no, so you know, yeah, yeah. We're happy eating our, our, our cheesesteaks and our burgers on every, every time we get a chance to, um, and I love beer. We you love know, our beer I, too. I that's what I was going to say. Yeah. 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 There you go, Paul. That's a, that's the champion's diet right there for a journalist, <laughs> for a journalist, we're on a good diet, right? We're okay. We're, we're not being judged by how fast we can run or how, how high we could jump. So, uh, oh, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap things up here. Of course, always want to thank you for joining me. Uh, some exciting news coming as well. Paul, do you want to talk about the new show you're going to be launching? We're hoping for tentatively August 30th, but might be coming out of Labor Day as well, but just let the people know what they can look forward to on your end there from the podcast side of things. Yeah. Really excited. So, um, as, Many of you already know uh, a man by the name of Seamus Clancy, who does a heck of a job right now. He's the managing er editor for Philly Voice. Uh, he was with Liberty Ballers twice over. Um, he still does some stuff for Bleeding Green Nation as well uh, on the podcast side of things. And we are super excited. It's going to be Seamus and myself. And it's not just going to be Sixers. It's going to be all Philly sports. We're going to do it every Tuesday. And yeah, I am really, really excited about it. Uh, anyone that knows me knows I've been you know, I, I'm from the area. I've been a Philly sports fan my entire life. I, I love the Eagles. I love the Phillies, the Flyers, not so much at the moment, but growing up, sure. Love the Flyers. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to talk about teams other than the Sixers and Seamus uh, brings it as well as anyone in the Philly sports landscape. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it and I think it's going to be pretty informative too. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, Jazz. Whenever that launches, whenever we finally get that off the ground, I, I'm I think it's going to be so much fun, and I think anyone who listens to it's going to going to really enjoy it. Yeah, and it's an exciting time for Philly sports too, Paul. You look at like you mentioned, the Sixers were anticipating yeah to be very good this year. The Eagles obviously getting AJ Brown made some good moves. Uh, I defensively. love AJ Brown. I'm so oh sorry. yeah, he's a, he's a, he's an alpha, <laughs> no, he's an alpha dude, and and you know hoping Jalen Hurts can can make a step, but. 
Uh, the Eagles defense going to be good again this year as well. You got them, the Phillies right in the, in the wild card hunt. Yeah. In terms Bryce of Harper's making his rehab, baby. Yeah, there oh. you go. There you go. And of course the, the Flyers, I mean, yeah, they're the Flyers. That's okay. But yeah, that's okay. Yeah, we can they do some it. bad things. Yeah, you could talk about them once in a while, Paul. Nobody's gonna, <laughs> nobody's gonna hold you hostage to that. But uh, as always, man, thanks for joining me. I'm sure this won't be the final time I have you on a podcast, but uh, looking forward to doing this with you again in the future. I'm sure. Absolutely. Anytime, Jazz. You know that I am. Uh, I'm a team player, and and you know, Liberty Ballers. I am. I am here for us, and also too uh, to mention, we are going to be adding some very exciting writing additions. Nothing finalized yet, so I don't want to spoil that on this podcast, but some some really some really fun people that are going to be joining us on the writing side and i'm, I'm and maybe even doing some podcasting stuff and i'm very excited uh to bring them on board as well yeah not to give too much away i always love doing historical stuff where you're doing some research on on some of the older sixers teams and, and some of the big storylines that might have happened 25 30 years ago and i feel like we'll, we'll get some help on that front with uh, some of the contributors you're looking at paul so i'm excited for that too yeah man all right, there you go. That'll do it for this episode of Sixers Daily. As I mentioned, give us a subscription. We always appreciate that. Wherever you get your fix, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. Always helps us out at Liberty Ballers and SB Nation. That'll do it for this episode. Adio and Dave will be back with their episode on Tuesday. And then uh, we've got lots on the go pretty much on the written side as well. As Paul mentioned, Paul's there, Dave's there, Sean Kennedy, Jackson Frank, Brian Topork, a bunch of talented writers have you covered for all things Sixers, even in the dog days of summer. And if anything breaks on the Kevin Durant front, we're also going to have you covered there as well. So that'll do it for this episode. I'll catch up with you all next time. <laughs>